Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go. Party time. <laughs> Let's do it. Party time. On with the show. Here we do. Here we do. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. This is Andrew Dice Clay, apparently. This is Griffin McElroy. <laughs> and this is wonderful. It sure is. Uh, yeah, I was coming at you a little hot there. Uh, audience, I apologize for that. Uh, let's just say uh, I've edited so much content. I've produced and edited so much content in the last two days that I feel like I am... I'm becoming a sort of like hard-nosed Las Vegas, like five shows a day performer. <laughs> and I don't know how they do it. I'm getting very- No, I am all for efficiency. I appreciate it. It's not even efficiency anymore. It's just like a complete sort of mental switcheroo where I'm just like, yeah, yeah, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fun. How are you doing? Let's check in with you. You know, I'm good. Good, good. I'm good. Uh, you know, just living- Living my life. One day at a time. Mm -hmm. That's what I always say. You know, and you, as far as I know, are the only person that's ever said that. Yep, no day but today. Mm -hmm. And that day is one at a time. Mm -hmm. So do you have any small wonders, I guess? I do, actually. So uh, New York Magazine has this video series on YouTube uh, where they look at people's homes. uh, And it looks like previously it was not... uh, particularly focused on any kind of notable person but they did one on amy sedaris oh her apartment is it like cribs is that what we're talking about (laughs) no but sort of i mean it sounds like explicitly the plot of we do walk from room to room uh and amy sedaris her apartment is everything you'd want it to be and more well i don't know what that means Uh, i imagine a lot of gingham pattern she heard the walls are just covered like floor to ceiling uh she has a rabbit like a live rabbit that hops around the house just loose yeah. Um, I mean, she has a hutch for it, but she just lets it wander. She sh- pulled back her comforter to show the holes the rabbit had chewed in her bedspread, <laughs> which suggests a lot. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the price you pay for having a delightful little woodland. She has a craft room okay. that she calls the baby's room. Uh, she doesn't have a child. She just calls it the baby's room, and it's just full of crafts, except she has one pair of baby shoes that she just throws on the floor when people come over to be like, oh, and that's the baby's room. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're right. That does not disappoint. Yeah, it's delightful. What's your small wonder? Fiber. It's good. Uh-huh. Yeah, I take it for granted, and I don't eat enough of it from time to time, and then I there's a reckoning. And then I t- and then I start you know reincorporating it and instantly it's like I'm it's like Superman in the yellow sun like I just get my power from it. Fiber is amazing. It just makes everything work better. Mm-hmm. That, you know, thirty-one-year-old Griffin McElroy. These are my concerns. Here we are. Metamucil. I've never actually I have had Metamucil. You have before. definitely. <laughs> I don't like that you know that. <laughs> Since we've lived together, I believe I have seen you purchase it, uh, but not consume it, right? I do it in a weird way. <laughs> Find out more. It's just me backstage at my Las Vegas show, five nights a, a day, and just <laughs> just cranking that, just snorting that musel, just like mm-hmm. just to keep uh, just to keep my heart pumping. Mm-hmm. I think you go first this week. I do. I can't wait to hear it. So earlier today, I sent you a song. Yes, and I bet you thought I bet she's doing this song. I did. And in a way. Okay. But I wanted to talk to you about my new favorite St. Louis Blues hockey tradition. Okay. Which is on that victory streak they had of 11 games. Yes. Uh, 
they used to play that every night in the locker room after they won. We need to explain the, okay, let's explain the number of things we need to explain. The song is Gloria, and it is by Laura Branigan. Should I play a clip of it, or should we just sing it? It goes like, Gloria, Gloria. I would like you to play a well, clip but I've been, of it. But this is a great opportunity, because oh, I can for sing us it. To sing? I can sing it Oh, you perfectly. want me to harmonize? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you do the high part. Gloria. Gloria. Sounds like that. It also sounds like uh, this. this was a thing but it makes sense now that i hear it you hear about sports teams having a lot of like superstitions yes and i didn't do a lot of research into like all the various teams but i'm sure a lot of people are familiar with them uh and the st louis blues i guess typically have had a song when they win that they play in the locker room uh prior to this song it was run around sue (laughs) (laughs) what a terrible terrible pump up jam Uh, But there's a story behind them using Gloria. They were uh, watching a Eagles-Cowboys game in Philadelphia in January as a team. I guess they were on the road. Uh, Sorry, it's messing me up thinking about a sports team watching another sport. I know. Like thinking about these (laughs) hockey players watching football and like giving a shit. Like all uh, all I do is make podcasts and I don't traditionally go out there and like listen to... Uh, audiobooks. This is a bad example. This yeah. is nothing. There's no, I am so far from being an athlete. There is no metaphor there. Uh, so they went to this bar in Philadelphia and there was a DJ. And whenever there was a commercial break, they would play music. And all these guys from Philadelphia would get up and start dancing. And they played this song Gloria a couple times. And one guy looked at the DJ and said, keep playing Gloria. So they kept playing it. Well, and so this is just some local people while they were there. (laughs) Uh, And so right there, they decided, the blues team players decided they should play that song after they won. And and they won the next game and got a shutout. And so they just kind of kept playing it. And this continued through their like franchise streak recently where they won 11 games in a row. Which is a record for them, right? Or does it tie the record? Yeah, that's that's the fastest superstition I've ever heard like developed. (laughs) They were playing it while watching a game and said, this song's a bop. We should play it after our games. Oh, we did it and won. Okay, this is forever now. It's kind of incredible that they started this in January because in January they had like no hope of being in the playoffs. So the the top three teams. This is new. This is a new tradition. Oh, wow. Okay. So the top three teams uh, in every division and there's like, you know, the Blues are in the Central Division, uh, go to the playoffs. And they were like way out of contention and like nobody thought they were going to make it. Um, They had fired their coach just after 19 games and they had a brand new coach. uh, And then they moved up to third in the Central Division. They currently have 74 points uh, and the second place team has 78 points. So it's, you know, it's very possible they could get into second place if they continue playing well. Well, they just got to keep listening to this, this slap. I know. Well, this is the thing. So they have since lost since their streak. So I don't know if they're still playing Gloria. I hope that they are. 
Uh, the thing that's interesting is that just like uh, the apparently St. Louis has like rallied behind this song and they keep reaching out to Laura Branigan's family uh, and fellow bandmates for like performances of this song. But she passed in 2004. Aww. So they're not able to kind of continue this, but they really appreciated kind of the renewed interest. Uh, there was a an interview with the uh, former drummer that says one out of every two people do not know that she even passed after all these years. Uh, but they uh, are thrilled that the song has regained popularity. It's funny when you sent this song to me, like I couldn't have told you the name of this song. I know, but let you alone knew it, right? I knew the, bah, bah, bah. but I, maybe I'm thinking of the Saturday uh, yeah, night song yeah. by Elton John. Cause it kind of said, but no, like I knew this song. I just mm-hmm. didn't know what the word was that went, into Gloria. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is so good. It is such a fun yeah, song. Yeah, it was, it was nominated for a Grammy, went platinum, and spent 36 weeks on the Billboard Top 100 chart back in 1982. Wow. <laughs> and here it is again. I love this. This is so good. Mm-hmm. This is very good. For those of you, I, I think a lot of people were maybe surprised that suddenly I've started really talking about hockey. And I realized that when I did my episode of wonderful St. Louis Blues hockey, yeah. it was when we were still under our other name. Oh, yeah. is that true? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So Rachel actually, likes, yeah, yeah. I'm a big hockey fan. Rachel uh, has been her whole life. Her her father owns like the, the most memorabilia, like the mm-hmm. most blues memorabilia. Growing um, up, we had like the seven foot tall, like cardboard cutouts in our house. Mm. Um, we had the like, we had some seats from the original St. Louis Blues Arena. Yes. We had several cereal boxes with hockey players on them. Uh, we had one of those, you know, the dome top pull like foosball, but for oh, hockey, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had one of those in our basement too. Um, any number of pucks and sticks. Your mom helmets. also just loves how much stuff she there is. It's her it. favorite. She adores that we have those things. <laughs> uh, can I do my first thing? Yes. It is the Green Wave. The Green Wave. I don't know what this is. It's the name for a phenomenon that I am familiar with, but I didn't know it had sort of a uh, a proper name. Is this about the Green Party? It's about, and I'm so glad that I have this platform. <laughs> fine. No, it is about when you are driving and you go from one place to the other without hitting a single stoplight. Oh my gosh, I did this on the way here. Uh, see, I wanted to talk about this because I had the worst drive home from Henry's daycare this morning. Uh, oh, really? On a good day, I can get home. On a, like a great day, I can get home in like 13, 14 minutes. That is like ideal. No traffic on the highway. Yeah. All green lights, just like buttercream. I don't get stuck behind the train. There's, I have a lot of obstacles, potential obstacles between mm-hmm. me and home. On a bad day, it can take me like 35, 40 minutes to get home. So there's mm-hmm. a huge variable in there. So when I get that good day, when there's no traffic on the highway and I don't have to like step on the brake pedal at all until I pull into our garage, like it is, I am so blessed yes. on those days. Um, I didn't know there was a name for this. I'm so happy. Yes, it is the the name for this sort of mythical incident where you get all green lights on the way home or on the way to where you're going. It's like the universe smiles on you. Um, I get really frustrated at like human caused impediments to travel. Um, I had to, I got IBS. So especially if I need to like get home in a hurry and I'm stuck behind somebody going like, 20 miles under the speed limit (laughs) like I get so angry or if I get cut off or somebody's just like being a jerk on the road um and also like traffic I I have very little patience for 
which makes it even all the more miraculous when you just get this nonstop, no break ride. Um, so I tried to learn more about like the odds of getting a green wave. And actually that's kind of impossible to calculate because there are so many variables in how uh, signal timing works, which is like how uh, stoplights run their pattern of letting their, their uh, you know, two different uh, intersection paths uh, go through. Um, traffic engineering is like a super complicated subject that I'm going to like barely scratch the surface of here. Um, but basically traffic engineers have all kinds of way of controlling the like flow of traffic through an intersection using signal control. Um, so there's one like major factor of how the signal works, which is uh, if it is either timed or actuated. So timed uh, stoplights are basically, do they do what yeah. you would assume, right? They, they run on a certain pattern. Yeah. Uh, if there's one sort of uh, channel through the intersection that's, uh, you know, more trafficked than the other, maybe they will get a longer green light, but it is set to a like specific pattern, you know, allowing each, yeah. each zone different times and making it so that they never, you know, intersect at mm-hmm. the same time because that would be very, very bad. Um, but more modern stoplight systems more modern modern signal systems uh, can be actuated uh, and in an actuated intersection they can actually like take a look at what the actual traffic is in that moment and change the pattern based on that Uh, and so if there's like one channel that is like especially busy like one main road that intersects with like a very very small you know dead end road uh, that main road they can tell how many cars are on it and uh, favor them with a longer green signal Uh, or alternatively if there's no cars in the other channel at all they just won't switch the signal it'll just always be green until a car pulls up to the signal and then they will go about changing the pattern and they can do that with a number of different ways like you see those cameras up on the uh, stoplights at certain intersections major intersections here in austin you can see them uh those are able to you know look at the traffic and change the signal patterns based on that uh some of them are used i thought um, they were just designed to give you red light tickets <laughs> I, that probably too okay. uh there are these things called induction loops that you can actually just build into the ground uh that can tell like when cars are there yeah and i'm always obsessed with that where i'm like do I need to inch forward? Like what, what's going to set this thing off so this light will change? So that's like one reason why the green wave is actually more likely than you would think. But there's another reason that is like uh, so like apparent that I didn't realize until the I learned about it. The existence of a God. The existence of God, yes. <laughs> if, if you want to lean that way. Uh, and also the existence of uh, traffic signal networks. So there are, you can network these, these traffic signals, these actuated traffic signals um, so that uh, you can actually let an entire like battalion of cars drive through without having to stop at a red light. You can actually network them so that oh. you create a sort of chain where you, you know, they, they change in pattern so that they can let a huge amount of cars go through without any sort of interruption. And doing that is like so good for traffic on a macro level. It's also great for like reducing pollution. And yeah. there's all kinds of reasons why it is like uh, such a great idea. Of course, it's not going to work for you like 100% of the time. And it's not going to, um, you know, it's not, it's only going to be for the sort of the major roads but if that's all you drive on if all you do drive on is like the major roads the highly trafficked roads you're actually more likely to catch a green wave just because of the way that the signals are are set up by traffic engineers um and there's there's a sort of 
future tech being developed that sort of takes the onus of of catching the green wave off of traffic engineers and onto the individual. Uh, Audi in particular uh, has been working to to facilitate this. In uh, 2016, they partnered with a, a traffic signal tech company uh, and they made it so that if you're within 13 major metropolitan areas, there's over 4,700 signals uh, nationwide that this works with. In your Audi car, your car can speak to those signals signals and tell you like on your dashboard how long you have before the signal changes oh wow that's wild right and then just this week the week that we're recording this they announced this this new thing that's going to be coming in their new cars where not only will it show you that data it will show you on your dashboard uh, a suggested speed to drive at to catch a green wave I was hoping that was where you were going so it'd say like you know drive at like 26 miles an hour and based on how we are timing this out and how we have these traffic projections Ooh. and how the signals are timing out, you will catch a green wave. The future is here. The future is radical. The future is the coolest ever. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I I drive so much more than I used to these days because when we moved, we moved pretty far from Henry's daycare and I make that drive twice a day and it can be very long. Uh, and so I was interested to learn like just how much stuff goes into like yeah. not making it a complete disaster uh, and finding out like why kismet happens so often when you're driving in a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, can I steal you away? Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia <laughs> Styles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible 
that's um the, the, for the commercial, the Super Bowl commercial they had. That was my voice yelling, anything is possible. In the wow. Background. Yeah. Not a lot of people know that. Hey, head to squarespace.com slash wonderfulpod for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code wonderfulpod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Do you want to hear some personal messages? Absolutely. This one is for Anne. It is from Nathan. Anne, you beautiful bean. I love you so much, and I'm so incredibly proud of you and how far you've come. Marsha, Mr. Kitty, and I are all rooting for you. Here's to another year of incredible adventures together. And to Micah, Chelsea, and Ben, and maybe Stella, let's get that game of Dungeon World going. Hell yeah. Let let us do get that. I, I heard that, and I got excited like I was going to play. What is Dungeon World? Is that the same thing as... D&D? Uh, it's kind of like D&D. It's like D&D, but with less uh, rules and more sort of uh, storytelling. This is very dry, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was curious. Well, it's okay. So it's powered by the apocalypse. Um, anyway, can I, here's the other Jumbotron. We'll yeah, talk more about I want, Dungeon Yeah, I want you later. to read this one, Griffin. This is uh, for my fourth favorite brother, and it's from McKinsey, who says, I just want to tell you how I'm feeling. Gotta make you understand. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna... Um, they got me. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around deserting you. It's the song. It's the song you play to make a person feel like a goober when they did it. You got me again, McKinsey. P.S. Please pet Cobra Kid and Party Poison for me, and it's probably time to change the litter box, Calabunga. What a savage message this is. <laughs> it burned me up, and then it sent some sort of, like, uh, you know, splinter agent activation code there at the end. Thanks a lot, McKenzie. For those of you born in the past five years, uh, he's referring to the phenomenon of Rick rolling. Have you ever watched a movie so bad you just needed to talk to somebody about it? Well, here at the Flophouse, we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. We'll watch it and we'll talk it. We do the hard work. Featuring the beautiful vocal talents of Dan McCoy. Stuart Wellington. And me, America's Rascal, Elliot Kalin. New episodes every other Saturday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast, dude. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, what's your second thing? My second thing is Nutella. Is what? Nutella. Nutella? Mm-hmm. I know about this creamy brown stuff. Me too. That's why I brought it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nutella was actually created during ration times to make chocolate go further. Oh, God, that explains everything. <laughs> Because they call it a hazelnut spread, but gang, hazelnut yeah. is just a friend that chocolate brought to the party. Mm-hmm. So back in 1806, Napoleon tried to freeze out British commerce as a way of taking over the world. <laughs> the result was a disastrous continental blockade that caused the cost of chocolate to skyrocket and left Piedmontese chocolatiers in the lurch. Chocolatiers in Turin started adding chopped hazelnuts to chocolate to stretch the supply as much as possible. God, what weird future could we have gotten if they had chosen some other thing? Some other thing to chop and screw in there. Like a like eraser bits or something. Or like cheese goes up and so they start adding um, leeks. Leeks. Well, that would not... All this would be good, actually. Is that a good idea? I should I write that down? I think we should probably get going on that. Leek cheese. <laughs> Uh, so at the time, it was called Giandua. That's beautiful, mm -hmm. baby. That was so syrupy, what you just said. <laughs> it's named after a character from Commedia dell'arte named Giandua. He is depicted as a smiling Piem Piedmontese peasant with a three-point hat who rides around town on a donkey 
uh, clutching a duha, which is a dialect meaning container. Okay. <laughs> you can't find this on the Nutella package now. I looked. So it's like a little, like a, like a, a silly guy. man riding a donkey holding a container. Mm-hmm. And that's just a character in Commedia. I don't think I understand what Commedia dell'arte is. Because I've always heard it's pretty highbrow. And if this is the heat that they're bringing to the table, that mm-hmm. does sound pretty highbrow because I do not get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was renamed um, Nutella in 1964. When Commedia dell'arte finally fell out of fashion. <laughs> well, so over a century later, during World War II, chocolate again became expensive and scarce due to rationing in Europe. And so an Italian pastry maker named Pietro Ferrero in 1946 created pasta giandua. Wait, what? I think pasta what? must mean something else in this case. Sure, but we went back to the old container man name. Oh, it didn't change till 1964. Oh, okay, okay. So in 1946, still Giandua. Still crazy for Container mm-hmm. Man. Love Container Man. Mm-hmm. Love his work. It wasn't until 1964 where they started spreading like all over. Yeah. That they changed it. By which you mean spreading all over every food imaginable, <laughs> a blanket that, that surrounds the earth and protects it. Well, and I thought it was interesting because I, do you remember your first Nutella experience? Because well, I It do. was like college. I, I was, I was up there in age. I was in, so I didn't realize it was an, an Italian thing because the first time I had it was in my French class. Oh, uh, we made crepes in my French class and she brought in Nutella That's and we all were like, this is the best thing in the world. You made crepes in your French class? Mm-hmm. We watched Finding Nemo in my Spanish class. That's like a, <laughs> that's like as far, but with the subtitles on. Yeah, we had like a French food day and we all made crepes. That sounds wonderful. good as hell. Uh, so it, in 1965, Nutella moved to Germany and then in 1966, it was in France. Uh, in 78, they opened a production plant in Australia uh, and then in 1983 is when you started being able to find Nutella in the northeast part of the United States. That's wild. Mm-hmm. It, it was here before I was even born, and I didn't know about it until mm-hmm. like 30 years later. Yeah. Uh, now, if you happen to live in a in a one of these lucky cities in Chicago, there is a Nutella cafe Ooh. where you can get crepes, gelato, oatmeal, granola, cookies, croissants, all with Nutella on it. That sounds really nice. Mm-hmm. What's wild to me is that it was designed as this thing to make chocolate last longer by yeah. chopping and screwing in hazelnuts. And yet today it is like significantly more expensive than just like some regular yeah. non-hazelnut well, hazelnut spread. I think is a pretty, you know, yeah. fancy nut. Now we're mixing chocolate in to make the hazelnut last, last longer. <laughs> you can buy, so the reason I brought this up is you can buy little individual serving, like little individual 80 calorie servings of Nutella. Mm. So I've been doing this little hack at work where I take half of a sandwich thin, which is like 50 calories, and then some 80 calorie Nutella. And I give myself a little treat. It's 180 calories, a good tasty dessert right there. No, I, I, it's 50. 180 great 50 calories. 50 plus 80. <laughs> You're talking to the math wizard over here. You're talking to the number cruncher over here. The math blaster. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Ferrero. We didn't. I didn't know the connection between these mm-hmm. two things until we watched that uh, most recent Bon Appetit, bon Appetit video uh, where Claire remakes the Ferrero Rocher. She makes Ferrero Rochers. It's delightful. It's really, really good. But I did not know that like it's basic. The stuff in Ferrero Rochers is, is basically Nutella, Nutella mm-hmm. uh, because it's like the same. She didn't folks. realize it either, and she Googled and was like, "Oh yeah, oh, okay, okay, same company. Makes sense." <laughs> uh, yeah, man, Nutella's really, really good. I have not had it in a while. So good. I used to think it was healthy because it was <laughs> hazelnut. Um, 
no, not, not no, especially. No, no, quite, quite the, quite the opposite. <laughs> I would argue. Uh, can I tell you about my second thing? Yes. Wind farms. Wind farms. Oh, wind farms. You mentioned this the other day and how beautiful you think they are. I think wind farms look super, super neat. We've been watching more uh, Hayori's Bed and Breakfast on Netflix because it is just a, it's a salve. We kind of dipped out for a while as we had other shows to watch. And then we had this pleasant reminder that there are two seasons on Netflix. True. It's, it is just genuinely the most peaceful show to Mm -hmm. watch. And uh, Jeju, Jeju Island, where it takes place, like looks gorgeous. Uh, and, uh, there's, there are frequently like parts of episodes where there's just like wind farms in the background. Cause I guess it's a, it's a pretty big spot. And so they got uh, in a windy spot and a windy that. spot. So, uh, they harvest that good wind. Uh, but I've always thought it like looked cool, especially if like I'm on a long drive and I'm just sort of going through a just plane where there's not much stuff, uh, to look at. And then just like over the horizon, you see these huge turbines like spinning. I always thought it looks really, really neat. Um, I should mention at the top though, there's like, you know, they can be uh, exploitative of people living in rural sort of environments because it is not unheard of for uh, especially like private uh, places like private companies to build their own wind farms to either like power their stuff or sell that energy for a profit and put that basically right in the backyard of these people who live in rural environments without like getting any kind of blessing from them to do so. Uh, I read a report uh, of a farmer in Minnesota who had a wind farm built 1100 feet from his property uh, and it like casts like flickering shadows on his house. Yeah, I could see how that make you crazy. He talks about like how through the window of his office he's like in there trying to do like their financial stuff and just like blades of a gigantic like this strobe light Mm. effect um there's also like um uh people who live like within a certain amount uh like a slightly larger distance away from them can uh have complained about like the noise that they create this like low level constant vibration like frequency uh and there are people who like complain about like health problems that that causes but there yeah. have been a lot of uh studies into that and they can't really find so a physiological better link. than like a black smoke factory but still absolutely better still than black smoke factory but there, there there's no there's no like proven link between the like physical side effects but um I I mean, that doesn't discount the fact that people are sort of the main reason, uh, the the main sort of opponent, (laughs) the the human factor uh, to these wind farms. But environmentally speaking, they are a just like an increasingly reliable source of renewable energy, uh, which is makes them, I think, a very important thing. Uh, Back in 2009, which was 10 years ago. uh, So obviously things have evolved since then. uh, There was a report. Uh, that found that wind power had the, uh, quote, lowest relative greenhouse gas emissions, the least water consumption demands, and the most favorable social impacts uh, among, like, sort of uh, any energy source, including other renewable stuff like hydroelectricity. Um, and the, the, these turbines have gotten just, like, more sophisticated and more productive. Um, obviously, like, windmills and turbines have been around for, I mean, forever, right? Like, uh, around, like, 70 B.C., the first wind windmill was invented uh and for over a century now like farmers and people living in rural environments have used their own like private windmills and turbines to power you know on a very small scale uh operations at their uh ranches but the first wind farm was built in 1980 in uh, southern new hampshire it had 20 turbines which is a decent amount of turbines to start out to start out with and it produced 0.6 megawatts of energy uh which is 
not very much. Just as a point of reference, the average American home uh, consumes uh, 10.76 megawatt hours in a year. So like not even enough to like really give a house power. Um, But obviously like things have expanded. They have become more efficient. Today, the biggest wind farm in the world is in China. It's called the Gansu Wind Farm. It has hundreds and hundreds of turbines and it produces 6,800 megawatts, which is a lot of megawatts um, and it's actually just a fraction of its hypothetical capacity right now which is ever expanding its hypothetical capacity is 8 gigawatts which is a fuck ton of energy um, there are efficiency issues yeah, I know that's a lot because of back, back to, to the, the future, future. <laughs> I think he says gigawatts which I don't even know how, what the exponential scale of that is um, <laughs> but they're hoping to like get it up to like 20 gigawatts by the next decade which would be like a, a profound amount of energy um, there are some efficiency issues because like it's uh, you can't really put it on a schedule and so there's some energy lost especially because you have to generate this energy in like big wide open planes not close to cities so in just like transferring that energy to cities there's uh, a natural amount of loss but still like it is it is growing china has like led the charge uh, uh among like the whole planet eight of the 10 biggest wind farms in the world are in china they had this huge push to like explore wind energy not only as like a uh environmentally kind of sound energy production method but also like economically beneficial uh, uh, energy method uh, and a recent study um, actually no a, a study I believe around the the, the 2010 uh, the year 2010 uh, was done by Harvard and uh, Tsinghua University uh, and found that China could supply all of its power from wind energy by 2030. Wow. Which is like kind of kind of remarkable. There's a lot of people in China. Yes, there are quite a few people in China. Yeah. Um, and like individual turbines are getting better at producing energy, which means you, uh, you know, hypothetically need fewer turbines to produce the same amount of energy at your farm, which makes them easier and cheaper to build, reduces their footprint, meaning you need like a smaller space you don't have to find these huge open plains with like perfect ideal wind conditions and again like it's not just like the technology of the turbines that is improving like uh there's other stuff too just this week actually yesterday from the day we were recording this google announced that uh, google has its own like private wind farm that they use to like power their their headquarters um and they have learned okay it's like the big problem with with wind turbines is it's the wind and you can't really always count on it because it's it, it's different and so like uh but energy like you kind of need it to be stable right if we had an uneven amount of energy coming into this house like shit would just like break yeah, down all the sense. time um and so they can't predict the wind right mm-hmm. but deep mind can which is their like uh adaptive sort of machine learning ai oh. uh it's machine learning ai can like look at all of the conditions of all the turbines and kind of predict like what the energy output of them is going to be uh and they have claimed that it is made just like overnight the energy that they produce uh quote 20 percent more valuable and nobody seems to really know what that means uh but it is like a it's like a it's a cool thing that that just like instantly overnight like just the whole idea of wind energy became better and more efficient uh because of this other sort of ancillary technological uh improvement um so i mean all that other tech stuff aside like and i think it is like important i think that anything we can do to get away from fossil fuels is a good step in the right direction um but i just think they look cool man exactly well you know it reminded me you know how i talked about how much i love kinetic sculpture yeah 
this is what it reminds me of. It looks like the future. Like it look, mm-hmm, they look exactly. futuristic in a way that I also find very aesthetically pleasing. And the mm-hmm. contrast of like them being out in the middle of nowhere and then like growing out, it's kind of like a, um, what is it? A tree grows in Brooklyn. Yeah. But it's a f- huge mechanical <laughs> uh, pinwheel that grows in the middle of like, a, you know, old farm or something. Mm-hmm. I just find the juxtaposition like very aesthetically pleasing. Man, between the green wave and wind energy, like. Yeah, this is really my Al Gore this episode. This is really your Al Gore episode. Yeah, it really is. Uh, let's close things out with some submissions from our friends at home. Did we, did we get one from Al Gore? We got one from Al Gore. And he says, um, the Internet. Cool. <laughs> Emily says, I take the train to and from work, and one of my favorite things is seeing a stranger on the train reading one of your favorite books. It's such a good feeling to know that they're getting uh, to read a book that you enjoyed so much. Every once in a while, you get to have a little interaction with them where you uh, connect about the book. I've been on both sides of these interactions, and they always make me so happy. Oh, that's nice. I've never had this experience, but when I was living in Chicago, I sat behind a woman who had a Zune. Uh, and I had a Zoom, which was already very <laughs> exciting. And she was listening to the same Wolf Parade album I was listening to at like the Whoa. exact same time. I was like, that is the most dated reference you've ever made. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, here's one from uh, Ria. Uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Who says, uh, I know games to play in the car have been recognized as wonderful, but let me tell you about my favorite one. Wonderful. On road trips, my girlfriend and I cast ourselves as guest hosts of the show. It's been a lovely way for us to learn more about our person, like how uh, she unironically enjoys the aesthetic of Applebee's, or how I can speed read Fox and Socks faster than even the great Seuss ever intended. Don't worry, no plans on going on air anytime soon. Oh, the at-home version. The at-home version. And there's a good thing you're not publishing those because we're very litigious. I, I encourage people to do this because I feel like it's been really good for me and Griffin. Yeah, Griffin sure. and I tend to be kind of um, high-strung people. Mm. And this has required us to focus on the things we like. And usually they are like small things that you don't have to pay money for and you can just kind of enjoy anywhere, anytime. It's true. Uh, thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. Speaking of money can't buy things, that was the original name of the song I heard. <laughs> uh, it's a great song. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Uh, thanks to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Uh, like we said last week, we're recording all of these like really close together. So time is a flat circle for me right now. But I think last week... From the time you were hearing this, we talked about this. But in two weeks, I believe the maximum <laughs> fun, the maximum fun drive is going to kick off. Uh, we are a pledge supported network, which means that uh, you, the listeners, can help support the shows that you like on the network. Uh, and uh, we we have gotten so much incredible support since we launched. Uh, well, Rose Buddies, and then since we uh, switched over to Wonderful, and it means so much. And uh, yeah, that's coming up soon. You'll have a chance to also get some cool rewards for for that. Um, and, uh, we have a bonus episode we recorded for this show that we warned you about, I guess. Yeah. You already know about it and it's available to the donors, to the donors. Um, It's our Will Smith, uh, sort of review and it was fun to record and Mm -hmm. think about, just think about Will Smith's career. Mm -hmm. Uh, and thanks to maximum fun. Like they have all kinds of great shows. Um, and that's it. How do you want to close this one? Since you've been taking over the home improvement stinger, yeah, I've really I've missed out on an opportunity. I think to do what? To, uh, oh, to, to do, do the, to sing it yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, do you want to do that now? No. Well, then. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Welcome back, and thank you, Dan, for that scathing report. As you know, Max Fun Drive is coming up March 18th to March 29th, which has some folks pretty excited. But as families around the world get ready to celebrate this season of giving, community, and quality podcasts, some are wondering if it's just too much. Are they, though? They are. Some people are all for comedy and culture, but with 45 shows offering hundreds of hours of bonus content, plus all the Max Fun meetups taking place around the world, some people think it's too much. While other people think it sounds totally awesome. I took my granddaughter to the mall to get her picture taken, and the mall pod ferry was short. And I, you know, I'm just gonna say it, I'm sorry, but everyone knows the pod ferry is tall. Well, I think we should just leave it there. <laughs> Until next time, here's the news you need to know. Max Fun Drive runs from March 18th through 29th. Be sure to listen to all of your favorite podcasts. I know I will. 